0: the well, last few weeks we've been trying to survive the, uh, <laughs> the, the quarantine. And, uh, and it, that's a tough thing to do sometimes <laughs> for a lot of us. Um, we've all had to learn how to do new things. We've had to go to new places. Uh, some of you probably learned how to do shopping online, pay bills online, and go to church online. And so we've been talking the last few weeks, uh, how, how, do we, how do we survive the quarantine? How do, we, how do we come out of this quarantine better than what we were before spiritually. And uh, and there's a, a lot of things that we, we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, our interpersonal relationships, our relationships with God. And this morning, we're going to talk about one of those real important uh, at- attributes or aspects of our walk with God. And we're going to do that by going to John, the 14th and 15th chapter. So just to give you some context here, in John 14 and 15, we are Uh, with Jesus and his disciples. They've gathered together to celebrate the final Passover meal together. Jesus has started off that evening by washing their feet. He's in the middle of that dinner taking the bread and and said, this is an emblem, this is a reminder of my body that's broken. He took the cup likewise and and said, this is a covenant in my blood that it's is gonna be offered for you. And uh, we celebrate that every Sunday. In fact, in a few moments, We'll celebrate that together as a church family in a time of communion where we remember, we remember the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. And then Jesus and the disciples stepped out of the uh, upper room and they, they went out into the garden. And it seems that somewhere between that, leaving the upper room in the city of Jerusalem, wherever that was located, making their way through now the quiet streets of the city of Jerusalem and heading out to even quieter garden, that Jesus did some teaching, some last-minute instruction with the disciples. What makes this passage so special to me is because Jesus knew that in just a few hours, uh, these men's world was going to be turned upside down. In just a few hours, things would never be the same again. You, You hear a lot of people saying that right now when they look at the world and look at life and look at the markets and look at whatever church, and they say, world will never be the same as it was at the beginning of the year. I don't know if they're right or wrong about this. But through the lens of history, we can know that for the disciples and for Jesus, uh, things would never be the same as, that they had, as they had been. And so Jesus felt like, above all the other things that he could talk to the disciples about, this would be the most important. He wanted to talk with them about what it means to have an abiding relationship With him and with the Father. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to go to the first first part of John, the 15th chapter, and we're just going to read there uh, together in John 15. Um, He starts off in verse number one. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is a vine dresser. Now, I don't know if Jesus, in their wanderings that evening from the upper room out to the Garden of Olives, if maybe they passed by a vineyard, it's likely. Maybe they saw a a vine dresser weary from his day's travels heading back into the city and it prompted this conversation or maybe this was completely spontaneous for Jesus. But I do know that this is one of the important I am statements that Jesus delivered several times throughout his ministry. He said, I am the true vine. Long ago when Moses asked God at the burning bush, who am I supposed to tell the people is sending me to tell the pharaoh and uh, to let my people go what name do i give to you god and and that seems odd to us today but if you look at the story of of moses moses has been 40 years in the wilderness raised early on by his mother um, but he had spent probably the, the remaining 30 years or so in the service of the of the pharaoh in the house of the pharaoh and so he probably knew far more about egyptian culture and egyptian gods than he really maybe did about jehovah god but He asks God for his name and God's response is kind of cryptic and interesting. God says, tell them I am sent you. And Jesus plays off of that title for God several times throughout his ministry. And this is one of those. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. He lays out the characters here for a parable that he's about to tell or an allegory. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. And here we are in verses uh, 4, 5, and 6. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine you are the branches. Jesus is repeating something here, so let's pay attention to that. catch that today. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, it is he that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We're going to break this little passage down today in our time together because in it is so much important information for us. A lot of us have felt in the last few weeks the the strain of not having the opportunity to be together with the church family. And there's so much constructive, uh, so, much, so many constructive things that happens in that fellowship time that happens throughout Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, small group times throughout the week. And for the most part, none of that's really operated as usual. We've been blessed to have small groups uh, online, meeting through Zoom and prayer breakfasts that we're doing the same with. But it's still not the same. There's, there's that pause of technology right there. There's not that opportunity to maybe share and to, and to put an arm around somebody that we're used to. But that doesn't mean that in this time, we don't have an opportunity to still have as good or even greater a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus gives us here some information that i think is so important for all of us because guys if we don't grasp this we might be working our whole life and never really produce what it is that god wants us to produce and so let's just talk about three things really that jesus said are important for us to observe when we're thinking about this relationship between us and jesus we the branches and he being the vine his father being that person that prunes or is the vine dresser. The first thing is, is that Jesus reminded us that we are and have to be connected to the vine. Abiding in Jesus means above all else that we have a life-giving connection to Jesus. So often we kind of just overlook that. It's easy for us to kind of forget that that, uh, without Jesus, Everything in this life would be meaningless. But Jesus reminded the followers in those times often about this fact. And in fact, not just Jesus, but the apostles to follow. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy, the second chapter. He reminded Timothy of this in verse number five. He said, "...for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus." So Paul is just reminding Timothy of something that, of course, was common knowledge to them. But sometimes today we forget. He said there's, there's just one God, and we all agree with that. And there's one mediator between God and men. There, there's, there's not a lot of paths to God, but Paul said, no, there's just one. And that one mediator, that one go-between, that's what a mediator is, that one connecting point between Those of us who have need here and our Heavenly Father who is able to provide all of those needs, that connecting point is Jesus Christ, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus said it himself in John 14 and verse 6. He said, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is reminding the disciples in this very pivotal moment that their relationship with Him, while it is going to be challenged in the next few hours and certainly as we look at that story unfold in the latter parts of the book of John and other epistles, we recognize that they were all scattered and eventually Jesus would have to gather them back together again. Some of them would lose their faith and their conviction in that time of fear and struggle. And, and certainly we can somewhat identify with what they're going through right now. but. What Jesus was reminding the apostles of is something that's important for us to be reminded of as well. Our connection with Jesus is absolutely essential. And Jesus is that connection that we have to the Father. The Bible talks about this in in quite a few places. I, I just want to share one more. Galatians, the third chapter. Paul kind of builds on that allegory, if you will. And he says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Paul talks about this same kind of relationship that we have with Jesus, but in slightly different terms right here. Jesus said, I'm a a vine and you are the branches. And and we've got to abide together. We've got to stay together. Paul reminded us that Jesus is that go-between, the mediator between God and us. And Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But Paul builds on this slightly differently when he says in Galatians 3 that when we're baptized into Christ, we've done something very special. We've put on Christ. I don't know about you, but when I hear the words put on, I automatically think of clothes, right? <laughs> we, put on, we put on clothes. And, and if you think about it, we have a pretty intimate and special relationship with our clothes. Now, some of you might be like me and you're not all that excited about clothes and you don't like to spend money on clothes, but if you, <laughs> whenever the mall opens again, you go to the mall and just, even if you don't like to browse for clothes, you walk through the mall and you will find out that people pay serious money for clothes, right? I got a pair of, uh, of jeans a while ago and, uh, and tried them on and liked them and then and, uh, bought them, took them home. Someone told me later, that was like 85 or $90 pair of jeans. I I would never spend that much money for jeans, right? Um, but, uh, but, but we have a real kind of intimate or personal relationship with clothes. We, we put them right on our person. And, and also, we, we, we define ourselves a lot by the clothing we wear, don't we? Um, a lot of people will put something on and they will say something like, well, that's just not me. Or, no, nah, I, I, that, that, that doesn't look good on me. And what they mean is, is Is that this particular kind of clothes it's not building the image that I have for myself you think about that in a moment in the terms that Paul used it in Galatians and it makes the relationship we have with Jesus so much bigger than what we sometimes give it credit for Paul's saying look when we're baptized into Christ we put on Christ we put him right right within us in fact When Peter talks about the first gospel message, he says that that we repent and be baptized every one of you for the forgiveness of your sins. And you might remember what he follows that with and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's spirit moving within our lives, within our hearts. You can't get any closer than that. But also, just like our clothes somewhat define our image, Jesus Christ should also be defining our image. And sometimes sometimes, this is where our relationship with Jesus gets kind of strange because we, we kind of look at Jesus like our Sunday clothes. I don't know if you grew up like that, but I grew up, we had Sunday clothes, right? You put on your Sunday clothes and you wore a shirt and tie, but the rest of the week, I wouldn't touch a shirt and tie, right? Some of you have to do that every day for work and I get that. But that for me was the things that I wore to church. And some of us look at Jesus like that, like Jesus is something that we put on before we, before we go to church, But then when we get off from church, we take Jesus off, we hang him up and we don't want him to get soiled there. So we put him in the closet to bring out for the next occasion. And maybe we'll bring him to a wedding or a funeral on occasion. But Jesus is not content with that kind of relationship. Jesus said, I want to abide with you. I want to live with you. I want to be always present with you. I want to be the thing that you put on when you get up in the morning and the last thing that you take off when you go to bed at night. I want to define your character. I want to define your image. For some of us, sometimes that's a little... A little much. I think, well, man, Jesus, you're asking me a lot. But that's exactly what Jesus means when he says, abide in me and I in you. The second thing we notice about that abiding relationship we have with God and with Jesus is that we are dependent. Notice what Jesus said there. He says that you cannot produce fruit without me. Nothing is going to happen if you don't have me. A branch can't live without the rest of the vine. In fact, this morning, I, I went out and, uh, and, and grabbed the branch off my lemon tree. Um, and uh, and uh, I brought it because, because, well, this branch up until this morning when I, when I brought it in, this branch was, was highly productive. I don't know if you can see there at home, but maybe if I rotate it back, this is full of lemons. My lemon tree is just absolutely loaded full of lemons. And this branch was feeding and providing for the needs of this fruit that's growing on it. But I've done something to this branch, haven't I? I whipped out my pocket knife and I sawed off the end of it and I brought it to share with you today. I want you to think about something for just a moment today. What can we do to make this branch grow again? You and I both know that that this branch as it is right here, even though the leaves look green, even though fruit is still hanging on the bottom of the branches, you and I both know that in the fall when the rest of its cousin branches are heavy laden with bright yellow lemons, that this branch will be forgotten. It'll be burned up in the trash pile or at the bottom of my <laughs> compost bin because without the source of the root, this branch won't live much longer. In fact, if I were to take this and just lay it in the front seat of my truck on the way home today, by this evening, it's going to be wilted. The fruit will fall from it, shrivel up and dry. You know, sometimes sometimes we look at our spiritual walk with God and we, well, we, we try to will it to do certain things. Do you think today that if we all work together, that we could make this branch alive again? Do you think if we, if maybe we had a, had a worship service and worshiped for this branch that we could somehow bring it back to life. No, it has been cut from the root. And unless we do something extraordinary to it, it will die. A few weeks ago, I, I was out in my garden. I brought another branch today. It's show and tell this morning, right? I was out in my garden and, and a tomato had broken. And so I grabbed it and I threw it into a glass of water, hoping I could get it to root. And it was doing well. It was like perking up and everything was wonderful with it. And, and then the other day I walked past and I noticed that it, was, that it was wilting and it was dying. So I grabbed it and pulled it out of the glass and I noticed something. I noticed that even though this tomato is no longer connected to the root, it's trying to set on fruit. It's trying to grow little tomatoes. But it does not have the root. It doesn't have the energy to do it. And it's literally killing this little sprout to try to put on fruit. Sometimes, guys, I think that we're a lot like this little tomato plant. We get broken off. (laughs) We we neglect our relationship with Jesus. But we still try to grow that fruit. We still try to push forward. And, And we feel the strain. We feel the burden. We feel the effort because we don't have the strength to do it. This little plant, if I'm going to save it, I'm going to have to take and I'm going to have to pull off these little tomatoes. It doesn't have the strength to do anything with this. And if I'm going to save this plant, there's only one thing that I can do. The only thing I can do is regraft it back onto the root system. It may not work, but I might have to take my little knife and cut a little notch and slip it in and tape it off and hope that it grabs back on Because without the root, it's never going to grow. Our spiritual life, guys, is, is completely dependent on God. And never let us for a moment think that we can program our way to success and spiritual fruit or study our way to spiritual growth. Those are all important tools. And God gives us those strengths and those abilities. But without Jesus Christ being at the center of everything we do and are, we will never produce the fruit that we should have. And what fruit that we do produce, it'll exhaust us. And it'll never be as abundant as what God intends. The third thing we notice about abiding is that we, we remain. That we have to stay put in that, in that plant with that root. John, the eighth chapter, verses 31 and 32 is another passage where Jesus talks about what it means to abide. And he says, if you abide in my word, you are, my, you are, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Maybe you're wondering this one. okay, Jason, how is it that I abide? How is it that I create that kind of relationship? I get it that Jesus is a source and I'm the branch. I get it that the fruit is to come out of my life. And without Jesus, I'm not going to produce that fruit or I'm going to produce just a small part of what I could produce if I was really connected. So how is it that I'm in an abiding relationship with Jesus? And Jesus gives us a secret right here in John the eighth chapter. He starts off and he says, if you abide in my word, Now, obviously, this is the Word of God this morning. We recognize that. Specifically, Jesus is talking here about the words that He was sharing to the disciples and the followers at that time, the things that we read in the Gospels and that the the apostles expound upon in the epistles later in the New Testament. And some of those words of Jesus are difficult things to abide in, to live in. And, and, And sometimes it's just easier for us to say to ourselves, well, that's Jesus and I'm not Jesus. And when we're doing that, I just want you to know what you're doing. You're kind of taking off that that covering of Jesus and you're hanging it up and you're saying for a little bit, I'm going to be Jason. Jesus said, I don't want that. I want you to be always me. I want you to be constantly covered by me. I want you to be always abiding in me. When we abide in those words, he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Guys, the truth is that freedom isn't just some concept that we invented as Americans. Freedom is a concept that God invented. Freedom is knowing the truth and the truth will set us free like nothing else. So much more we could talk about, but we're just gonna talk about one last aspect of this story as we wrap it up. That's the other person that we kind of skipped over in the beginning who has a really important role because as Jesus starts off, he says that I'm divine, and my, you are the branches and my father is the vine dresser. Notice what he says here in verse two. He said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Down in verse six, he said, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and they're thrown into the fire and they're burned. Jesus reminds us that God has a responsibility in this story as well, and that is that God is constantly overlooking. He's looking for the branches that aren't growing anything, and he's pulling those out because they're just taking resources and they're not contributing, they're not accomplishing the purpose for which they were created. But even those branches that are growing, that are producing fruit, that are doing what it is that they were called to do, he said that he prunes those branches, cuts off some things, and there's three things about pruning that, that, well, are kind of disturbing and kind of comforting. We'll start off with the most disturbing one at first, and that is that pruning is always painful. Maybe right now, this morning, as you listen to me share this message, you can think back in a time in your life where you went through a season of pruning. You know exactly what that feels like, and it was very uncomfortable, and God put you in a place of pain, not because He was mad at you, not because He likes to hurt His children. No, He knew that we needed to grow, He knew that some things needed to go away so that we could become all that He had created us to be and to accomplish what He had created us to accomplish. Pruning is painful. But there's something else that we often forget. And that is that the vine dresser, our Heavenly Father, is never closer to the vine than when He's pruning. When He's sorting through those branches and He's looking for the fruitful ones and He's figuring out, how can I make this thing grow to its very best. See, not only are we in a season of pain when we're being pruned, but we also are in a place where God's presence is more real and closer for us than any other time. God's presence and His hand are right there with us and on us. God is near, even in our struggles, even in our hurt, and even in our pain. And the third thing is that our part in that pruning process is that we've, well, we've got to maintain a certain amount of self-control, don't we? Jesus said, you've got to abide in me. You need to remain in me. And sometimes when, when life goes in a direction that I don't want it to, sometimes I'm inclined to just kind of want to back out and say, okay, if this is what you want, God, I don't want any part of this. Or if I did what your word said, I handled this the way Jesus, you told me to, and it didn't work out in the time or in the way or the the speed at which I thought it should. And so I'm going to quit right here. And sometimes we've got to have self-control to not let ourselves do that. We've got to have gratitude over grumbling. I'm good at grumbling. If you know me well, you know I can grumble with the best of them. But having a gracious attitude is something that the Bible talks about over and over again, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. Having humility over pride, recognizing that, you know what, sometimes there's things in all of us that need to change, and God has the right to cut things out of our life, or to shape us into the image that He has for us. We practice compassion over comparison. Sometimes it's easy for us to look at someone else's life and say, well, why didn't you do that in their life, God? Why can't I be like that? It happened to the disciples when Jesus reinstituted Peter. He's having a conversation with Peter, you remember? (laughs) And he's like, well, what about John? And Jesus says, don't worry about John. You let me worry about John. Sometimes we just need to have compassion and put our arm around somebody and love them through a difficult, painful time, but not compare. There's application over apathy. You know, it's real easy for us to kind of become apathetic when we're in those pruning times in our life and just say, oh, forget it, I quit. If we were just to apply the lessons that we're learning in that moment, we speed up that growth and you'll find that you move through that pruning season much, much quicker when you do that. Then there's accountability over isolation. Sometimes God comes into our life and He says, Jason, this is a sin, it needs to go. The Bible says that we're to confess our sins one to another so that we might be healed. We can't forgive anyone of sin. That's God's job, and we confess our sins to God for forgiveness. But when we confess our sins to one another, we get healing, we get support, we get encouragement, we get ideas, and that moves us once again through this pruning time much quicker. And lastly, we see hope over despondency. It's easy for us to despair and just quit. But when we recognize that God is working in us to will and to act according to His good purpose, that this pruning, this difficult season is just to make us better and to accomplish more, then we have hope for something far better. I want to close and share with you the last few verses that Jesus shared here with the disciples. I imagine it that they're walking together outside of the city of Jerusalem, and Jesus is quietly having this conversation with His closest 11 friends who were gathered around Him. This is what He says. He said, If you abide in Me, and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this My Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I just got to pause it for a moment. I want to reiterate something. Jesus said, you want to know what makes God excited? You know what glorifies God? Here's what it is, that you produce fruit in your life. It's in that that we prove to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? Well, Jesus tells us. He said, as the father loves me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Guys, we are so blessed to have an opportunity to have a real relationship with God. God has invited us some pretty scraggly, ugly branches onto his vine. He's grafted us in. He's made a place for us in his home. He's preparing for us a place to spend eternity. We have such an awesome opportunity to abide in God's love. Notice as Jesus continues, he said, here's how you abide in God's love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus tied two things together, obedience and relationship. With God, you can't have but one or the other. It doesn't work that way. God says, I love you, but I want you to be obedient to me. Jesus said, you've looked at my life just as I've kept my Father's commandments and I abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Hey, today you might might be like a lot of us and you're kind of tired of (laughs) virtual church and you would like nothing more than just to get together with the church family to sing in corporate worship to praise God together, to encourage one another, to check up with each other and see how things have been going. And I get that. And you can do some of that in little ways through phone conversations and other things throughout this week. But, but guys, the, the most important relationship that all of us have is our relationship with Jesus Christ, the vine. And I hope and pray that during this time, your relationship with God has grown deeper and stronger. Your connection with God is sweeter. That your, that your ability to produce fruit is is growing. And if it's not, maybe if you feel kind of like my tomato plant, you're trying to produce fruit, but you just don't feel like you have that energy or that strength to do that. A great place to check is, what does the rest of my life look like? Am I really being obedient to Christ? Am I really doing what God's calling me to do or am I just trying to put on Christ for some occasions and then take him off in others? If that's you, I encourage you to just go ahead and put on Christ. Throw away your old self. Jesus said, if you, anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. It's a daily struggle. But it's a daily struggle that is absolutely essential if we want to be those fruitful branches that God has called us to be. Guys, we are so blessed that long before we were born, long before anything in this life, we, we knew anything in this life, God knew who we were. God knew that someday we would be born into the world, that we would fail, that we would sin, and we would be separated from Him. And while we were still strangers and enemies and sinners, Christ came and He died for us. And this morning... We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together as a family scattered around the United States, scattered around Acadiana. And it's, it's not the same as a normal church service where you're sitting next to your family members or next to your, your spiritual family and you're able to pass those emblems. But those emblems remind us of the very same truth. The body of Jesus was broken for us. The blood of Jesus was shed for us. And today Brody is going to come and he's going to kind of prepare our hearts to commune with God, commune with one another, and to remember what it is that Jesus did for us on the cross.